Get ready for a one-of-a-kind experience. Welcome, welcome to the Starter Zone, your home for the weekly news from around the world. Your host for this journey, Amanda. Wax on, wax off. She's going to bring you everything you need to hear about entertainment, gaming, and maybe just a little bit bizarre. Hold tight, because here she comes. Oh, thank you so much, Raven, for that warm, warm welcome. Hello there, my friends, and good day to you all. Welcome to the Starter Zone. I am your guide, Amanda, and it is now time to bring you the headlines from all of the entertainment news sources. Today is the 30th of November. Let's take a look at some of the headlines we will be covering. Sean Combs has made the news, and it is not a pretty story. Paul and Oates are going to court. A referee was spitting blood at a recent football game. Dolly looks awesome for her age. We had another swatting incident to talk about. Slim Shady has an announcement, the box office breakdown, and more. Get comfy, my friends. Let's get started. Alright, let's get this party started with some music news. Alright, let's go ahead and get this started with just like this really long one. R&B singer Cassie, who was born Cassandra Ventura, has filed a lawsuit against the music mogul known as Sean Diddy Combs who she dated at the age of 19. So according to the New York Times, Cassie met Combs back in 2005. And in her lawsuit, she's claiming that Combs abused and raped her during their relationship. Cassie claims that shortly after becoming romantic with Sean Combs, he, quote, began a pattern of control and abuse that included plying her with drugs, beating her, and forcing her to have sex with a succession of male prostitutes while he filmed the encounters, unquote. Then, in 2018, shortly before ending the relationship, Cassie claims that Combs forced his way into her home and assaulted her. Following filing the lawsuit in Manhattan, Cassie shared a statement saying, After years in silence and darkness, I am finally ready to tell my story and to speak up on behalf of myself and for the benefit of other women who face violence and abuse in their relationships, unquote. In response to the lawsuit, Combs's lawyer, Ben Braffman, responded on his behalf and made this statement. Mr. Combs vehemently denies these offensive and outrageous allegations. For the past six months, Mr. Combs has been subjected to Ms. Ventura's persistent demand of $30 million dollars under the threat of writing a damaging book about their relationship, which was unequivocally rejected as blatant blackmail. Despite withdrawing her initial threat, Ms. Ventura has now resorted to filing a lawsuit riddled with baseless and outrageous lies, aiming to tarnish Mr. Combs's reputation and seeking a payday, unquote. Yeah, 
In response to Combs' lawyer's response, Cassie's lawyers claimed that Combs tried to pay her off in exchange for her continued silence. Quote, Mr. Combs offered Miss Ventura eight figures to silence her and prevent the filing of this lawsuit, and she rejected his efforts, unquote. Well, just one day, one day, 24 hours after Cassie filed her lawsuit against Diddy, the former couple have apparently come to an agreement. And in a statement, Diddy claims that they have settled the suit privately. He said, we have decided to resolve this matter amicably, and I wish Cassie and her family all the best. Combs said in a statement that was obtained by CNN. The terms of the settlement were not made public. However, one week, so we're talking now seven days later, after that settlement was announced, the rap star has been sued by two more women over separate alleged incidences of sexual misconduct. Through his spokesperson, Sean Diddy Combs, age 54, has denied wrongdoing in all three of the cases. On November the 23rd, Thanksgiving Day, a woman named Joy Dickerson Neal filed a lawsuit in New York court that alleges Diddy drugged and sexually assaulted her while she was a Syracuse University student back in 1991. The filing states that the music executive took her to do a dinner at a restaurant and put the drugs in her drink when she left to use the restroom. Dickerson Neal's lawsuit also alleged that when they left in a car, she took a puff off of a blunt under pressure from Diddy. He later allegedly brought her to a place he was staying to assault her. And then the video recorded the act and showed the footage to many people. This is according to the filing of the lawsuit. November 23rd, again, a third woman whose name was not made public, filed her own lawsuit in a New York court against Diddy. And in her filing, she's alleged that he and R&B singer Aaron Hall assaulted her and her friend at the uh, apartment for Aaron Hall back in either 1990 or 1991. The woman is also alleging in her lawsuit that several days later, Diddy visited the home where she was staying, assaulted, and choked her until she passed out. The filing stated that he was allegedly looking for the plaintiff's friend because he feared she's going to tell the girl that he was with at the time. All right. This is a lot. And there's more details coming out about it. But the question really was, why are they all coming forward now? We're talking 1990. That was, what, 30 years ago? Why? Okay, so let me explain. These, there were several similar civil suits recently filed against high-profile men in New York courts under the Adult Survivors Act. Now, the Adult Survivors Act is a New York state legislation that was enacted back in May of 2022, which amends state law to allow alleged victims of sexual offenses when the statute of limitations has lapsed to be able to file civil suits that started for a one-year period. So in May of 2022, they said, all right, from November 24th to 2022 to November 24th, 23, if your statute of limitations on a sexual assault has elapsed, you can file a civil suit. So here it comes, November 23rd. We're up against the deadline, and all of these lawsuits are coming out of the woodwork. And not just, like I said, not just against Diddy. We're talking these are multiple people, but this story is going to focus on him. So using that as a backdrop, Diddy's spokesperson told Entertainment News in a statement, the claims involving alleged misconduct against Mr. Combs 
from over 30 years ago and filed at the last minute are all completely denied and rejected by him. And he recognizes this as a money grab. Because of Mr. Combs's fame and success, he's an easy target for accusers who will falsify the truth without conscience or consequence for financial benefit. So, okay, take that as you will. I agree. All of the claims need to be looked at. I'm just hoping that the claims are sincere and they're not extortion attempts. The timing, you could say, is suspicious, but if they're just given this opportunity, they're like, you know what? This was 30 years ago. I never did anything about it. I want to get it done now. That's that's a whole nother thing. So hopefully the truth will come out sooner or later. Like he's already he's already settled the one lawsuit. He's now facing two. Um, he also just stepped down from a board that he he chairs. Um, so he's kind of having to step away to be able to take care of this personal business. Um, obviously, I wasn't there, so I don't know what happened. I just, like I said, I hope the truth comes out. Now, two people I would never have dreamed of being at each other's throats, Hall and Oates. All right. My older listeners, you'll remember these people. All right. Established in Philadelphia back in 1970, Hall and Oates are the most commercially successful duo in the history of recorded music. I actually didn't believe that. I had to go look that up because that just didn't seem right, but they are. The duo is compromised, compromised, haha, comprised, made up of two guys, Daryl Hall and John Oates. During their peak years, which spanned from 1974 to 1991, this duo achieved an impressive feat. They had 29 top 40 hits. You might remember some of them. Some of their most timeless ones include I Can't Go For That, Man Eater, Rich Girl, Kiss On My List, Out Of Touch, and Private Eyes. The Hall and Oates have also been inducted into both the Songwriters and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But it hasn't been all smooth sailing. This duo was broken up and they reunited several times throughout their career with Hall, age 77, and his trust, the Daryl Hall Revocable Trust, is now suing Oates, age 75, as well as his individual trust, the John W. Oates TISA Trust, and its co-trustees in the Nashville Chancery Court. This was filed back on November the 16th. With the documents being sealed and classified as a contract debt matter, and both parties have yet to make an actual statement on the whole situation, details of the lawsuit are pretty slim right now. But what we do know is that claim the, the claims that the pair is in, how they put it, arbitration over some sort of dispute, possibly over royalties, division of royalties, or it could be over the fact that Oates has been singing some of their songs in solo acts. It's also being reported that Hall has requested a restraining order against Oates, and the judge has granted that. It's assumed that the restraining order is in response to Oates performing their music in his solo act. That's got to be some pretty hard things to handle right now. But you know something else that's hard for some people to handle? Dolly Parton on Thanksgiving Day. Yep, America's darling got some people a little riled up. The America's sweetheart, really? The country music legend was tapped to perform the halftime show 
at the annual Dallas Cowboys Thanksgiving football game. They kicked off against the Washington Commanders on Thanksgiving Day. So here comes halftime, and you got the 77-year-old performer taking the stage. So Dolly Parton, big, brassy blonde hair in all her glory, comes out, and she's wearing some iconic white shorts, this cropped vest adorned with blue stars, and a sheer bedazzled mesh bodysuit. You got it, guys. Dolly came out looking like a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader and just rocked this outfit. Dolly received nothing but widespread praise from fans and viewers across the stadium, performed a collection of her more celebrated songs, including Jolene, nine to five and she also promoted her latest album called rockstar that was released earlier this month uh rockstar was the she it is her first rock album and among its 30 tracks 30 tracks are appearances from musical legends like elton john and the beatles icons paul mccartney and even got ringo Starr in on this considering that she just got inducted into the hall of fame she said she felt it was necessary to actually have a rock album in her library. The halftime show also featured Parton's rendition of several rock classics with a cheerleader troupe dancing below the star as she covered Queen's We Are the Champions and We Will Rock You. Now, where was the problem, though? So the fans in the, in the stadium seemed to enjoy it. Well, the you know armchair quarterbacks got their say in, and some viewers went to ex-Twitter and complained about her choice of outfit, saying 77-year-old woman shouldn't be dressing like that. And even one user said, why'd you come here looking like that? Why'd you come in here looking like that in your cowboy boots and your painted on jeans? All decked out like a cowboy's dream. Why'd you come in here looking like that? All right, well, honestly, though, with how she looks, and how well she takes care of herself. She looked fantastic in that outfit. And with that whole glittery bodysuit underneath, no skin really was showing. It was actually pretty modest considering. It just really ended up looking pretty classy. And Dolly has never sounded better. So speaking of sports. Right, well, the New York Jets faced off with the Miami Dolphins back on November the 24th, and some frustrations boiled over for the Jets in the fourth quarter to a point where a referee got bloodied. After an extra point was made, the Miami Dolphins' lead was extended to 27-6, and some pushing and shoving started between the two teams. A referee attempted to break things up, but the Jets defensive lineman of Michael Clemens extended an arm and his open hand struck the face of the ref, who was later spitting blood. Everybody was kung fu fighting. Those kids were fast as lightning. So although it seemed accidental, Clemens was flagged for unsportsmanlike conduct and was ejected from the game. Clemens exchanged word with the Dolphins' Austin Jackson, who was also ejected for throwing a punch. The Jets' rough season continues. They ended up losing 34-13 to Miami, and they now have a season record of 4-7. Fans will remember that the Jets lost their starting quarterback with Aaron Rodgers in their first game of the season on the fourth snap of the game. 
Then backup QB Zach Wilson just got benched, so they're on their third quarterback, Tim Boyle. And at this rate, it's going to be really tough for the Jets to even get a spot in the playoffs. All right, now, you might remember the horrific story we shared just a little while back about Adam Johnson. Adam Johnson was a 29-year-old hockey player who died on the ice during a game after being cut in the neck by another player's blade. You know, the piece on the bottom of the skate. The community outrage was huge, and it just it seemed at the time that no action was being taken. We saw the video. We know whose skate it was. But it's times like this that reminds us that there is a process and we have to maintain a little bit of patience. The South Yorkshire police announced back on the November the 14th that a suspect had been arrested on suspicion of manslaughter following the death of the former Pittsburgh Penguins forward Johnson. The suspect, who is a former AHL player by the name of Matt Petgrave, has since been released on bail. Now, the Detective Chief Superintendent Bex Horsfall released a statement on the arrest. And while Horsfall never actually named Petgrave, he did know that the police have consulted highly specialized experts throughout their investigation. And he said, quote, Our investigation launched immediately following the tragedy, and we have been carrying out extensive inquiries ever since to piece together the events that led to the loss of Adam in these unprecedented circumstances. We have been speaking to highly specialized experts in their field to assist in our inquiries, and we continue to work closely with the Health and Safety Department of Sheffield City Council, which is supporting our ongoing investigation, unquote. Johnson's death just sent shockwaves through the NHL, National Hockey League, and and honestly, really beyond. And players have begun trying out uh, wearing neck protection during practice and in games. And it seems like it may start to become uh, a standard of the uniform, honestly. And the National Hockey League and the Players Association have also been working together on ways to better protect players from being cut by the blades moving forward. And as we hear more on this story, we're going to continue to update because just this watching the video, the whole thing was just absolutely horrific. Um, like I said, and I just it just didn't make sense. Let's put it that way. It didn't make sense. But for now, let's go ahead and check out some entertainment news. We're going to start this one off with a little bit of Karate Kid. So the first Karate Kid movie, of course, came out back in 1984, and it focused on Ralph Macchio's Daniel LaRusso character, as well as Pat Morita's Mr. Miyagi, who teaches him martial arts to help defend himself from bullies. It was a massive hit, spawned three sequels, and launched something of a media franchise that continues today. A Karate Kid remake was released back in 2010, this time with Jackie Chan starring and Jaden Smith stepping into the trainee role. And I mean, it was a pretty decent success. It was an okay movie. Lukewarm reviews, but it made a solid $359 million worldwide. What's really kept uh, Karate Kid going, though, in the modern age is the TV series spinoff Cobra Kai. Now, this takes place years after the events of the Karate Kid, where it sees Uh, William Zabka coming back as the bully Johnny Lawrence and it re-examines this whole the whole world of this franchise from his point of view uh, that he's making is he's reopening the Cobra Kai dojo 
Ralph Macchio comes back and he's starring in the series as well. It first aired on YouTube Red back in 2018 and 2019, but this beloved show moved to Netflix for seasons 3, 4, and 5, and it was renewed for a sixth but final season. Now, something we never expected to hear has happened. Stars Jackie Chan and Ralph Macchio made an announcement on November 21st. Let's listen. Hi, everyone. We've got big news. We're starring in a new Karate Kid movie together. That's big news, but we even have bigger news. Bigger than that? We're looking for next Karate Kid. That's right. The global search for the star of our new film starts right now. So let's wax on, wax off, everybody. You mean check it on, check it off, hang it up? Maybe the new Karate Kid will have to do it all. I'm excited. You excited? I'm very, very excited. Let's do it. Learn more about this new role. Submit your audition video. You heard the men. That's right. daniel Sun and Mr. Han are coming together for the first time in the Karate Kid franchise to bring us a brand new movie. It's currently set for release on December 13th of 2024 per the press release from Sony Pictures. As the video said, though, they still have to find their new Karate Kid, and they're kicking off the global casting search in order to do it. The announcement did include the call to action to submit your audition videos for the central role. Anyone who's interested in the casting call has been asked to submit their name, city of residence, photo, short bio, and video to KarateKidCasting at Sony.com. That's KarateKidCasting at Sony.com. I will drop the email and the link to the information and the instructions down in the comments below. Sweep the lick. You have a problem with that? I don't personally have a problem with it, but it may not go over so well with the casting department. Jonathan Entwistle will direct the new Karate Kid from a script by Rob Lieber. And Karen Rosenfeld, who is best known for the Twilight and Percy Jackson franchises, she's going to be producing. Plot details, though, currently being kept under wraps. It also just make us wonder if there, any of the cast members from the Cobra Kai series will be included. And that includes William Zabka, as well as Jaden Smith from the 2010 Karate Kid that Jackie Chan starred in. One thing's for sure, though, I am really looking forward to hearing more details about this project because my inner kid just went, woo! Now, the Writers Guild is no longer on strike. Writers, they're getting back to work in droves. Productions, they're ramping back up. However, the Writers Guild of America is apparently not happy with the conduct of one studio in particular. The industry newsletter known as The Ankler reports that the WGA sent a pretty stern letter to Amazon Studios over shows whose development is remaining in pause for nearly two months after the strike ended back in September. In a statement to The Ankler, the WGA said that in failing to commence development on several series, Amazon Studios is in violation of Article 7 of the WGA and the American Motion Pictures and Television Producers Memorandum of Agreement. Or, as the WGA said, quote, studios are obligated to return writers to work upon termination of the strike. And writers' personal services agreements were extended for a period equal to the portion of the contract term that elapsed during the strike. The WGA makes this very, very clear. They will bring legal action against Amazon and any other studio that violates this 
strike memorandum and they're going to recover compensation interest on late payments and benefit contributions due as a result of the delay amazon studios they're not talking and they apparently were reached out by ign but they're not saying anything and honestly the wga hasn't replied yet either to any requests for comments it's kind of like we're doing this legal battle let us let us do this of note okay so one of the shows apparently still paused is called silk spider society and it's the first of several planned spinoffs in Sony's Spider-Verse. Prime Video picked this uh, live-action series up back in 2022, and it was headed up by former uh, Walking Dead showrunner Angela King, produced by, it was was Into the Spider-Verse's Philip Lord and Christopher Miller. Now, in announcing that Silk would be headed to uh, Prime Video, it seemed pretty clear at the time Amazon was going to invest pretty heavily in Spider-Man, and the characters of the the Spider-Verse, making this multi-series deal. And earlier this year, Amazon confirmed that a live-action Spider-Man noir series was also in the works. I wonder if he'll have his Rubik's Cube. This really just makes it so much stranger than that the series apparently is still on ice following the, the expiration of the strike. And according to the Ankler, Silk was pretty deep in the writing process before the strike even began. And they were like several episodes deep. But representatives for King, Lord, and Miller haven't said anything either. It's like they're all just trying to figure this out. But what's worse? The Angler reports that the writers of Silk Spider Society and several other Amazon series are not being paid as the shows remain on pause. But they can't find new work because they're contractually bound to these Amazon projects. So per this report, there's like a whole mess of agents and lawyers that have now gotten involved. And honestly, this is not a good look for Amazon. At this point, they just need to restart production or worst case scenario, cancel the projects so these writers can look elsewhere for work. From the outside looking in, it really looks like a hostage situation. But you know what else is not a good look? DUI on your record. But that's exactly what one comedian is facing. Just hours after appearing at the Laugh Factory's Thanksgiving feast event, Tiffany Haddish was arrested in Beverly Hills on early Friday morning, the 24th of November. And I partied. I partied all night. I can't open my eyes, y'all. All night. night. I partied all morning. I went to bed at 7. It's whatever time it is right now, I'm up. Lieutenant Chris Coulter of the Beverly Hills Police Department confirmed that Haddish was booked on suspicion of DUI. Now, Haddish fell asleep behind the wheel in the middle of Beverly Drive, according to TMZ, and around uh, 5.45 in the morning. No injuries reported, thankfully, and she later told Entertainment uh, that her Tesla had parked itself when she'd fallen asleep, but it was still partially blocking the road. This is not Haddish's first issue with the DUI. She was arrested in Georgia on a similar charge in early of 2022. And Haddish, who recently appeared in the Haunted Mansion, was previously arrested January 14th of 2022 after driving into the yard of a residence in Peachtree City, Georgia, according to a statement from the local police department. Officers had received a report around 2.30 in the morning of a driver asleep at the wheel on Highway 74. At the Laugh Factory's annual Thanksgiving meal donation to the community on Thursday, 
Haddish was performing on stage and she was helping to serve participants with the local TV news capturing this festive event. And the comedy club had hosted free Thanksgiving and Christmas meals for anyone in need for the last 43 years. Later that night, she attended Yachtley Cruise Show at the El Rey Theater. Now, as a result of this recent arrest, Haddish says she's going to get some help so she can learn balance and boundaries and pledge that this will never happen again. Now, thank goodness no one was hurt, and I'm really hoping she's sincere about getting help. Now I think it's time to download some gaming news. Swatting stories are just, they're getting more frequent these days, and I think we're past the point of insanity. As a reminder, swatting is the action or the practice of making a prank call to emergency services in an attempt to bring about the dispatch of a large number of armed police officers to a particular address. Look, it's harassment, plain and simple. Now, in one of the more recent incidents, the actor who played Grand Theft Auto V co-protagonist Michael DeSanta was swatted while streaming GTA Online. Look, I made a judgment call. I don't know if it's the right one. I did what I thought I had to do. Actor Ned Luke received a phone call while he was streaming the game back on November the 23rd. And whoever was on the line informed him that his property was currently being swatted. Fans of Luke were quick to call out Rockstar Games for its alleged failure to protect players' IP addresses while playing GTA Online. But Ned Luke was really quick, very quick to refute the claims and said, y'all are jumping to some large conclusions. This has nothing to do with Rockstar. These a-holes leaked my private info years ago, and they've been doing this crap ever since. Anyone's info is available online if you're just sick enough to really want to find it. Swatting has become this really persistent issue within the streaming community for like the last several years, with the likes of the Fortnite World Champion Kyle Baga Gearstoff, who was made a victim of it when he was just 16. The dangers of swatting have unfortunately been made really clear, with police killing 28-year-old Andrew Finch as a result of a hoax phone call to emergency services in the U.S.'s first fatal swatting incident. Now, speaking of Fortnite, Fortnite has a new event coming called the Big Bang Event, which is set to happen on December the 2nd at 2 p.m. Eastern time. And one of the first ways Fortnite was able to prove its mainstream success was introducing popular real-world people into the game. Whether it was Travis Scott, LeBron James, Patrick Mahomes, it became like a sort of Hollywood star of fame to be able to be featured in Epic Games' hit shooter. And now, they're adding a new one. That's right, guys. Eminem is coming to Fortnite. The Grammy winner was added to the game's item shop on November the 29th, and the image released promoting the event shows three different versions of the rapper that are available for purchase. They're called Rap Boy, Slim Shady, and Marshall Nevermore. Now, alongside whatever world-altering event phenomenon Epic plans to introduce on December the 2nd, Eminem will be performing a live concert. Fortnite 
has been in gaming news quite a bit lately thanks to the rollout of Fortnite OG, which is a record-setting new season that throws players back in time to the earliest maps of the game. This was huge when OG was released. I heard like so many people just throwing back going, hey, boys, where are we dropping? You know, and making Tilted Tower references. It was pretty awesome, actually. Now we're going to add some Marshall Mathers into the mix. This thing's going to be lit. Now, let's go check out what the box office did this past weekend. It's time for the box office breakdown. What we're here to find out is, did the Hunger Games beat the odds to stay number one with two big releases coming out? Indeed, it seems that the odds were ever in their favor because the Hunger Games, Songbirds and Snakes led the ticket sales for the second weekend in a row. The Walt Disney Company's wish had been expected to rule the Thanksgiving weekend box office, but moviegoers went elsewhere. Neither of the weekend's top new releases, Wish, and Ridley Scott's newest, Napoleon, they couldn't keep up with Liongate's Hunger Games prequel. After debuting the previous weekend with $44.6 million, the return to Pan Am proved the top draw for holiday moviegoers, and it grossed $28.8 million over the weekend and $42 million over the five-day holiday frame. They started counting from Thanksgiving Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. The closer contest was actually for second place. Napoleon narrowly outmaneuvered Wish. Ridley Scott's epic outperformed expectations to take in $32.5 million over the five-day weekend. And the film stars Joaquin Phoenix as the French Emperor, Napoleon, and Vanessa Kirby as his wife, Josephine and was the top movie globally with $78.8 million. With an estimated budget of about $200 million, Napoleon may still really have a really long road to reach profitability for Apple. Apple actually partnered with Sony to distribute Napoleon uh, theatrically, but it's a pretty strong beginning for this 168-minute historical drama. I'm interested. I'll be seeing that one later. Wish, however was supposed to have this more starry-eyed start. Now, Disney animation releases like Frozen 2 took in $123.7 million over five days back in 2019. Ralph Breaks the Internet took in $84.6 in 2018. And Coco, $71 million in 2017. They have often owned Thanksgiving movie going. So those three movies all came out Thanksgiving weekends in 2019, 18, and 17. And they just ruled. But Wish wobbled really i mean it came in with 31.7 million over a five-day total wish at least is faring better than disney's thanksgiving release last year last year they released strange world it bombed for lack of a better term their five-day total was 18.9 million dollars but the hopes for wish were so much higher it was co-written and co-directed by the Frozen team of Chris Buck and Jennifer Lee and featured voices like Ariana DeBose and Chris Pine. Wish is a fairy tale centered around a Wished Upon star, and it's also a celebration of Disney itself. 
timing for the studio's 100th anniversary and just filled with callbacks to a lot of Disney favorites throughout the movie. But instead of writing this up and down year for Disney, wish for now at least, is adding to the studio's headaches, including the underperforming Marvels. Now, the Marvel sequel has limped to $76.9 million domestically in three weeks, by the way. Still, the storybook isn't written yet on Wish. It could still follow the lead of Pixar's Elemental. Elemental launched with a really dismal, lukewarm $29.6 million back in June. But after about two to three weeks in the theater, it picked up. I mean, it found its legs and it kept going and it started breaking a few records. Wish's main competition actually came in fourth this week. Trolls Band Together, the third installment in the Trolls franchise, starring Anna Kendrick and Justin Timberlake, took in $25.5 million over the five-day weekend, followed in fifth place by the latest slasher fic, Thanksgiving. This one took in $10.9 million in the five days, edging the Marvels back to sixth place. So the big things that people are buzzing about right now is the latest musical film called Renaissance, a film by Beyonce. Beyonce's Renaissance World Tour. It's the second highest grossing performance tour by any female artist of all time, only behind Taylor Swift's Eras Tour. And like Swift, the behind the scenes was filmed and it's getting ready to hit the big, big screen. This is kind of becoming more and more of a thing. So will Queen Bay's fans be enough to topple some songbirds and snakes? We will find out soon enough. Now, let's see what kind of odd news we found for you this week. And now, for something different. All right, here's a question for you. How would you feel if you discovered that a plane you were flying in was missing a window? Now, take that and think, how would I feel about two missing windows? Probably the same. Yeah, probably the same. So a U.S. bound plane took off from London last month with four damaged window panes, including two that were completely missing, according to the U.K. air accident investigators. Thankfully, no one was injured by the window malfunctions, which appeared to have been caused by some high-powered lights used in a film shoot. And this is according to the UK's Air Accident Investigative Branch that they reported in a special bulletin published back on November the 4th. Now, how exactly did lights do this? Let me continue. The aircraft departed from London's Stansted Airport on the morning of October the 4th and was carrying 11 crew members and 9 passengers, all of whom are employees of a tour company or or the aircraft's operations company, according to the report. And they didn't elaborate on the tour company. The missing windows weren't discovered until the plane was climbing at an altitude of 13,000 feet. It says, quote, several passengers recalled that after takeoff, The aircraft cabin seemed noisier and colder than they were used to. So a crew member walked towards the back of the aircraft and spotted a window seal just flapping in the wind on the left side of the aircraft. The report reads, the window pane appeared to have slipped down, 
and described the cabin noise as loud enough to damage your hearing, unquote. It slipped down. It slipped. The plane then approached 14,000 feet, and so pilots reduced speed and stopped their ascent. And an engineer and co-pilot went back to take a look at the window, and they agreed, yeah, we probably should turn around. The plane landed safely back at Stansted after about 36 minutes of total flying time, during which the plane had remained pressurized normally, they said. After inspecting the plane from the ground, the crew discovered that a second window pane was also missing and a third had been dislodged. A fourth one appeared to be protruding slightly from its frame. One shattered window pane was later recovered from the runway during a routine inspection. So the theory is this. The windows may have been damaged by some pretty high power floodlights that were used during filming the day before the flight. The lights were intended to give this illusion of a sunrise, and they were placed only about 20 to 30 feet from the aircraft, shining um, first on the right and then on the left side of the craft for over nine hours in total. And so they have this foam liner that goes around these windows, and the foam liner melted away from at least one of the windows, and several window panes appeared to have just been warped by the thermal heat. Ah, you cursed brat! Look what you've done! I'm melting! Melting! Oh, what a world! What a world! Stuff like that that's going to make everybody paranoid about flying. Now, here's a second question. What is one thing you don't want to do if you're going to commit a robbery? Let's find out. Back on September 14th of 2022, a robbery happened at a tobacco shop in Queens, New York. Three masked men got out of a Mazda and entered the store, and this was according to a complaint filed in federal court just last week. So two of the men pointed guns at employees and customers, and a third one emptied the cash register and started grabbing merchandise, all of the employees' cell phones. The robbers fled in the Mazda. Now, surveillance videos were were looked at and of course they disseminated these throughout the media showing the third robber wearing very brightly colored briefs with a large letter r in white and the year 1990 written on it in yellow yep he showed his underwear the pants were saggy and an anonymous tipster passed along the Instagram handle of the suspect with the colorful underwear according to the complaint and the caller also told police that the robbers had tried to sell their stolen merchandise at a different Queens location. Detectives reviewed the video footage from the sale location and spotted the man with the colorful underwear who is now easily identifiable because he's not wearing a mask anymore. Police identified the suspect based on his Instagram account, the video from the merchandise sales spot, and photos from prior arrests. The 30-year-old suspect was arrested uh, at his home in Queens by members of the New York Police Department, Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms Joint Task Force. He's awaiting arraignment in federal court in Brooklyn, according to a spokesperson by the U.S. Attorney's Office. As for the other two robbery suspects, they are still at large. But let's just hope they get caught with their pants down soon. Let me see that
All right, so mental note, don't wear memorable underoos or saggy pants if you're going to burgle someone or something. Just put that out there. Diddy's not out of trouble just yet, and we've got more Karate Kid on the way. Tiffany got arrested again. We've got Eminem now in Fortnite. Hunger Games got their wish to stay on top. And Dolly looks amazing for 77-year-old cheerleader. May we all be so lucky. Thank you guys so much for joining me today. I do want to remind you that I include the links to all of my sources in the comments so you can see what I see and more. Also, don't forget to drop a comment or send us an email if there is a story you want us to cover. Join us next time as we check out the latest in entertainment news. Remember, stay comfy in the starter zone, guys. This is Amanda. Good luck and have fun. Listening to The Starter Zone with Amanda. I am Raven. We thank you for your time and support. Without you, we simply would not be. Please hit that like and subscribe button and visit us on Facebook and Twitter at The Starter Zone. Have we missed something? Have something to say? Leave us a comment or send us audio clips for your chance to be on the show. We invite you to come back for more exciting news and commentary on the world around you. See you next time in the Starter Zone.